This is episode two of the Sudden Wealth Podcast, brought to you by SuddenWealthProtectionLaw.com, a proud provider of proven effective legal strategies for preventing your kids from blowing their inheritance and for helping people who are dealing with financial windfalls. Now, if you want to see if you qualify for the strongest, most comprehensive wealth protection available, just visit SuddenWealthProtectionLaw.com and sign up to talk to an attorney. And please do that after you listen to this episode because you'll love what you're about to learn. At Sudden Wealth Protection Law, we know that you want your heirs to have the same work ethic and drive that you do. And if you have recently come into significant money, you want to make good choices and to feel understood. In order for that to happen, you need guidance that you can trust and the support of a community of people who understand you. The problem is that there are so many advisors out there wanting to frankly pick your pockets they're out there trying to sell their services and it's hard for you to know who to trust and of course that makes you feel vulnerable and confused we believe that everyone deserves competent professional help when it comes to protecting managing and growing personal wealth we understand what it's like to be the target of greed jealousy and resentment just because you have some money and that's why i became a certified family wealth advisor, and started Sudden Wealth Protection Law, the law firm. Now, although Sudden Wealth is central to our discussions, we will also be exploring other fascinating and important topics, such as the psychology of money, business succession planning, how to find a good advisor, and frankly, just dealing actually with relationships in the family, and how to raise kids, just to name a few of the topics. Now, in this episode, you'll learn three key insights that I believe are critical to protecting your wealth and setting your family up for long-term success. First, you'll learn about the existential crisis or identity crisis that many people experience when they no longer need to work to survive. And in the course of that, you actually start to ask questions like, who am I? And then next, you'll also learn the importance of struggling in order to be happy. And related to this is the need to be part of the world and to be part of other people's lives. But if you have a bunch of money, you may find that actually hard because other people's attitudes towards you often changes after you've suddenly become quote unquote rich. And then third, you'll learn about the innate genius that we all have, but the part that's the part of us actually that gets stifled as we grow up. And then we have a challenge to discover that later on. So again, lean forward and listen carefully because this episode could have a significant impact on your future financial success. Welcome to the Sudden Wealth Podcast. My name's attorney Paul DeLauri. Well, actually, that's not my name. My name is Paul DeLauri, and I'm an attorney. <laughs> We're here I'm with. Prefer to you from now on, attorney Paul DeLauri. <laughs> I worked in a hospital and my doctor. 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 <laughs> uh, okay. And we're here with Michael Zalno and Alexandra Fleming. And Michael, you had a question you were going to ask. Let's start with that. Yeah, I mean, in, in the previous episode, we talked, you mentioned this idea, this notion that uh, money is like a magnifying glass. And I think a lot of us that were brought up, maybe not paycheck to paycheck, but again, since my father was a butcher, if he had been put out of work when he was young, it would have been all that long before we would have been, you know, in trouble. And I've been paycheck to paycheck in my life and sort of, you know, and I don't think that money solves all the problem. I think that a lot of us are brought up with this idea that if you have money, you will be happy. So 
Was that part of what you experienced? Okay. First of all, let me say that it's different for everyone, I believe. My own personal experience when I had, and, and probably one of the reasons that I screwed up so much is it caused a huge existential crisis for me. What was my purpose in life? And, and again, when I was going paycheck to paycheck as a lawyer, I could get by because my purpose was working on the cases, making the clients happy, getting some money, getting making sure we had groceries, and that was fine. But when I no longer had the clients, because I closed down the law firm shortly after the inheritance, when I didn't have that, the money was fine. I could actually pay someone to go get groceries for me. And, and clean the house and all. Of, and then I had to think, well, what's my real purpose in life? And I hated that because for me, I was not in touch with myself. And part of the reason for me writing the book, and I know it's a, so there's a book coming out and it's going to be called Sudden Wealth, Seven Steps to Finding Your Voice and Being Heard and After a Windfall or Any Other Time. And that may seem really funny for some people. Like what is getting a windfall? What is getting money? have to do with finding your inner voice or being heard. And for me, it was the issue, figuring out what the hell my purpose was. And so part of the reason that I made so many mistakes was I was disconnected from myself. And I started just listening to other people and thinking, oh, well, that's, that seems like a really good idea, it, like an investment idea or something. And they were, they were stupid ideas, but they were romantic. Like, for example, the craziest idea I had was first of all invest in a art company up in Portland, Oregon that made art. And I don't want to sound like the con artist that sold me on it, but basically they had a business plan. They were gonna they provided art to schools that would get auctioned off. They made some money, the school made money, other things. And then they had this other even better idea, which was an old art foundry in southern Italy. And I thought, oh, great. They, they needed money. They needed someone to like help them help resurrect the factory or help resurrect the business. And it, it had a, it was the Carazzi Foundry, C-H-I-U-R-A-Z-Z-I, -Z -Z as if anyone cares. It's actually out of business now. It's another story. I was not successful, even after millions and millions of dollars dumping it into it. I was not successful in making unprofitable company profitable by putting money into it. <laughs> and looking back on it, that was pretty obvious. <laughs> but it didn't seem obvious at the time. At the time, it was, again, I didn't, getting back to the point, I didn't know what my purpose in life was. And so it seemed like a worthy goal to to try to save, you know, a, a bad business by dumping money into it. And it, it seemed like I was, you know, really helping and there were other people passionate about it and so thankful and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so having money for me, yeah, created this hole that previously I had filled with just being busy and all the struggles of day-to-day -day life. But when once you take away busyness and day-to-day -day struggles, it's a different thing. And I think in the future, like there's a lot of scientific, or I'm sorry, science fiction movies and stories about the idea that we can just use 3D printers to print our food, print everything we need. No one needs, like, there's no need for money anymore. No one needs to work. Everyone has everything. And I, I just think, oh my gosh, we as humans need to grow so much in order to get to the level where we can be functional in that kind of a situation. 
because I, I, I think we all need to struggle. That's the one thing that I learned is you need to struggle. You need some kind of a headwind to be happy. Otherwise, take that away and there's nothing. I think we're meant to struggle. We're meant to, and by struggle, like doing something. I mean, otherwise, sitting on a couch is not struggling. Well, actually, then you're going to be struggling because your body's going to start falling apart. And then you're going to start struggling with that. I mean, I think it's, and then I guess the irony of that weird analogy, I, I tend to come up with weird analogies, but so it, imagine you get a bunch of money, you sit on the sofa, people feed you, your body starts falling apart. At that point, I guess you can either, well, you can choose to either just die, or at some point you can make it your struggle to get your body back in shape. And that, I think you would probably be unhappy sitting on the sofa, having people feed you, but you'd be miserable mentally, but you would actually start to get happy again once you start to struggle again, you know, like. So do you think maybe in the struggle, it's we're finding some way to create and that is sort of an impetus to move forward is that that ability to help and create and be a part of the world? Yeah, yeah, doing something, doing something. Yeah, you need some kind of movement with sitting still is is horrible and so do you think that maybe like the financial windfalls can have a big impact on that part of who people are is that they just take away that necessity for forward motion for a while? Yes. Yes. And, and especially, thank you. Well said. <laughs> and w- when it happens quickly, it's it's just a shock. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of like, I, I'm trying to think, I can't think of an, of an analogy or something, but yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's a shock to the system, I think. And Well, because I think most of us, the way that we identify with our lives is that, okay, we go to work so that we can pay our bills so that we can go ahead and enjoy some hours of free time to, to create, or, you know, be part of the world and be active in it or to relax or whatever. But when you take that away, the, the need to, to, when you're offered a way to not have to work eight or 10 hours a day or more, what, depending on whatever you do, then it's sort of that drive to be a part of everything else, kind of, you have to reevaluate how you internal or how you get that internal motivation. And let me add something. So the other thing it, in the last episode, I mentioned this cousin who, as I started to open up about my start story, expressed rage and hatred. And that's the kind of thing that I like, as I shared my story with people close to me, it was amazing that the people I thought were really close all of a sudden hated me or didn't understand or like disapproved or something. And people that I didn't naturally think I was close to were actually understanding and compassionate. And But the uncertainty about what kind of reaction I would get with someone isolated me. And so you're saying that part of the happiness and part of, I think, the purpose in life of engaging with the world I felt like that was ripped away from me because I was scared because I didn't know who to trust or so I, I ended up staying at home drinking at night just because I didn't want to bother. I mean, it was too much work. So it led me to bad places. As the old person in the room, <laughs> part of it, I think, is trying to figure out who I am and why. And and there are people who decide that who I am, I'm this person that goes to goes to work, comes home and does these things. For me... Had I gotten a windfall when I was young, I knew, you know, I, I, I would, I, you know, you can define, you know, what you want to do there. I like to dabble in certain art kind of things, you know, some music or photography or learning about other cultures. And 
to me, a windfall, a serious windfall, where I wouldn't need to worry about where rent was going to come from for the rest of my life. At this point, that's not a big one, would be allow me to define myself a way that in my head that has always left me frustrated. So if I would, let's say I'm struggling and, and, and I'm not, things are not going well career-wise, whatever that may mean, and I'm playing around with my guitar trying to write a song, I get angry with myself saying, what am I doing with my time? But I enjoyed that way more than trying to figure out, you know, could I go convince someone to hire me? Hmm. I think part of it is I think that a lot of us are not brought up with this idea. This is an inherent, the educational system to really figure out who you are, what do you want to do and why? And then allow us to pursue that. I mean, you read a lot. I know some people who come from okay money and they wanted to go do other kinds of things. Many of them were not encouraged to do it. Fortunately, I, I have some second cousins who let their kids go do what they wanted to do. Hmm. And they could afford, you know, afford doing that. And their kids seem to be happy, whatever that may mean, you know. And I think that's the hard part. You know, he said, what's our purpose in life? Are we just here? Well, and if you're constantly working for the weekend, essentially, you don't really, as an adult, have a lot of time to explore that. So if you are given the opportunity with a financial windfall to take a break and take a step back, I think that that would leave you feeling kind of rudderless because all of a sudden you're like, oh, I've, I've got all this. I've got a way to figure out what I enjoy, but I don't know myself well enough to enjoy it because I've been working so much or whatever my whole life. Yeah. I haven't been taught to see anything from a different perspective. And the the funny thing is the experience is different for everyone. Part of my own experience was having my mom who kind of stifled my own oh search for who who I was or, or what I wanted or anything. And I was way more familiar with my mom wanted me to do than what I wanted to do. And uh, and then it, it was just confusing to me. And especially after Again, part of my story, I found out about my, that my stepdad, last name DeLowry, was not my actual father, and that I had a different father, and I'm actually not biologically half Irish, half German, I'm actually biologically all German, and and therefore all the time that I'd spent learning Irish music and bagpipes was, you know, it made me question that, and, you know, it was based on the lie and all this kind of stuff, so that, yeah, that, for, for me, it was just really disorienting and confusing and, and whatnot, but... So yeah, it's different for everyone. Definitely different. But it sounds like it doesn't matter like what, how, in the ways in which it is different, it's still going to cause some kind of identity crisis. I think so. That would be the commonality. I mean, it's different, but I think that for virtually everyone, and we'll find out as some of our listeners uh, respond to us, I think that what stays the same is a questioning around values and and asking who am I and why? I, the, the answers may be different. The reasons that people, I mean, you know, we're only, we're all brought up pretty much the same way in that we have parents and other relatives around us. We have school systems we go to, and they're the ones that stifle us. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, they're, they're the ones that, you know, I had trouble in school because unfortunately I could read when I started school. I could do arithmetic when I started school. That's horrible because you're yeah. When I went to school, there were 48 kids in class. So the teacher would give an arithmetic assignment, 30 problems, thinking, okay, it's going to take 15 minutes. I was done in two. Yeah. So I, I'm walking around the room helping people and getting in lots of trouble. <laughs> Rather than the teacher dealing with me properly, 
hit 46 other kids. Gee, I got, you get, you get stifled. You know, what do you do with this? And I, and it, it, I think that's the commonality we all have. So I I have a visual representation of this and this won't, I'm not sure how this is going to play out on a podcast for everyone listening. I have a piece of paper here. I'm going to crumple it up into a ball. It's not a pure ball. There's a little piece sticking out. Okay. And this is an analogy that I got from a coach I have, um, R. John Robbins. And he, he's a coach for lawyers, by the way. But he, he uses this. And he says that each of us are born with some little thing that sticks out. I mean, none of us is perfect in the, in the sense that we fit into the way society wants us to be. We're all born with, you know, some little irregularity. And then, you know, as we go to kindergarten or as we're, as our parents are, teaching us or molding us, you know, they, they kind of mush that down. So it'll, so that it'll fit into a, you know, fit into society. So we can, like you, Michael, you were talking about your irregularity. So they, they, they kind of mush that down so you could fit in with all the rest of the students in the class. And I'm not sure taught you why you tell me what did, what, like, you know, you had your, your own personal brilliance and then Let's just say that when Pink Floyd's We Don't Need No Education came out, they're right on. <laughs> yeah, the, basic func- the basic function of the school system early on is to make you into a nice round ball. And, and really, the, if you stop and think about it, what you learn between first and sixth grade amounts to learning to read a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. To write a sentence and doing addition and subtraction because multiplication and, you know, and subtraction are just variant. And I could teach someone that in six months, you know, kids should be left alone and just be mentored versus being educated. That's my, you know, belief. And, and so, yeah, I was made into this little round ball. The problem is, is that I've got all that pent up anger. I wanted to use that. Yeah. So, so Arjun Robbins calls that your darkness. So, or the dark side. Like all of us have a dark side inside of us. Not tar- not meaning that it's evil, but it's it's this thing that's considered dark. It's like this, and he also refers to it as the beast. It's what's most powerful. It's your personal genius. That and I mean, for me, I I lost touch with that. And I think for all of us who've gone through the education system in America. Part of our purpose in life is to figure out what that thing was that we lost touch with. And having money suddenly causes that crisis because that thing wants to get out. And Exactly. And you've been, you've been keeping it down, keeping it private, because that's what your parents taught. That's what the school taught, whatever. Everyone taught you. And your friends. Your, your friends, friends definitely you. have an impact on that. Oh, yeah. Friends. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to fit in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so that, hard to maintain friends if you tell them that, gee, you know, that the socks you're wearing are really ugly. <laughs> yeah. You realize being honest doesn't work, you know? Yeah. Do you have a story about that, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, the one I, you know, when I've done consulting with people and, and I tell people that, that when you, it's kind of like when you ask someone, it's like when you're right, you're working on your book and you can have people read it. And what you're really looking for is an honest opinion. I say, if you're looking for a consultant, an advisor, an attorney, what we're doing here, if they're not, if you don't want them to tell you the truth, don't hire them. But if they tell you the truth, you can't fire them for it. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of us don't want to hear that we're wearing ugly socks. 
It's kind of like, you know, since we're both married, you go to your mother-in-law's house for dinner and they, and she serves sawdust Mm -hmm. in in the cookies. You say, "Mm, these are wonderful. Cause if you don't, you're going to be sleeping on the couch. (laughs) Right. That's what we learn how to do. Yeah. And in some ways, I don't think in that, in that, but that, again, it's part of that ball. Every time you do that, it gets, that ball gets tighter and tighter. Yep. And that's another thing we're taught. The ball gets, t- not only does the ball get made, it gets smaller, tighter, tighter, and tighter, right? Yeah, yeah. So the energy that's packed up in there increases. Right, and it takes a lot of energy, right, to keep it. Well, it takes energy to maintain the ball. Yeah. And and for me, because of my parents' experiences during the war, I had an extra layer. I mean, you know, having been in, they were both in mm-hmm. concentration camps. So for my mother, she had no ability or desire to deal with authority. She was frightened by it. So if I got in trouble in school, she always sided with the school Mm. or what I did. Well, oh my gosh, we have a lot to talk about. (laughs) Yes, we (laughs) We have a lot to talk about. Okay, well, let's wrap that up for this episode and we'll talk again next time. So let's do a quick review of the insights that we discovered in this episode. First, you learned that it's common to have an existential crisis or an identity crisis as a result of a financial windfall, and this often leads to poor choices. Second, you learned that struggling is essential to happiness, and being part of the lives of others is also key to happiness, but this can all be a challenge when others are jealous of or resentful of you because you have money and because you don't have to work anymore. And finally, we discovered the inner beast inside of of all of us. We at least talked about that. That's the innate genius that we all have that gets stifled or gets mushed down as we grow up. And Michael shared his story of growing up with parents who were both survivors of the National Socialist or Nazi concentration camps in World War II. And speaking of reviews, before we end this episode, I want to have you please go to SuddenWealthProtectionLaw.com forward slash iTunes and type in your biggest takeaway or aha moment that you experienced during this episode. And you can do this now in the review section. And when you do it, iTunes will ask to rate this episode. And I sure hope we earned a five-star review from you. Have we? So go ahead, declare your one big takeaway in the iTunes reviews section by visiting SuddenWealthProtectionLaw.com forward slash iTunes. It'll take three minutes out of your day, but what you declare could provide you a lifetime of learning. So, okay, that does it for this week. I'm attorney Paul DeLauri, and I hope that our paths cross again next week for the Sudden Wealth Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you understand the psychology of money so that you can better protect, manage, and grow your money both now and for future generations. And do whatever it takes to join me next week, because our topic next week will be the difficulty in finding competent help when you're dealing with money, and especially when you're suddenly wealthy. I encourage you to invite a friend or bring a study buddy, and I can't wait to connect with you then. All good wishes.